episode 62, Two Middle-Aged Men in Cleveland, Ted Klopp, Ken Dworznik. Ted, we're coming off 4th of July. The question I have for you, are there still fireworks going off in your neighborhood? All the time. I was in South Euclid to visit a very good friend of mine for a surprise birthday party. It was on July 4th. The fireworks started right around 8 o'clock. Yeah and did not end until we left, which was basically 11. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, it's constant. I could not believe it. I mean, it was all over the, all over the yep. street. I mean, it was just like, you're, you're turning your head all over. It was, I'll be honest, it was kind of cool. I really did. I enjoyed myself. Yeah. There's a lot of fireworks in our uh, area. So yeah, the uh, fireworks seem to be nonstop and not just for July 4th. Oh, I like that. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. Speaking of fireworks, I have a little public service announcement to pass along. Oh, good. Perfect. So my wife bought some uh, paper plates. These are the graduate 2021 paper plates. They were on sale. Sure. So, you know, we don't care. Just they're plates. Yep. So she got them and they have in gold, you know, 2021, happy graduation, whatever. So here's the question. Would you microwave on those? Ooh. It You're not just, sure either. They're, I mean, what, what what do we have besides paper? Is it like a coating or what do we have here? Well, so here's the uh, public service announcement. I put, I don't know, a piece of pizza or something on one of these plates, popped it in the microwave. And I turn around, I'm washing my hands and I smell something burning. <laughs> I turned around to see flames shooting up from the paper plate. You had actual flames. Oh, yeah, actual flames. Oh, my. Oh, yeah. So apparently that's some kind of gold medal something, and those should not go in the microwave. There's a little public service announcement. To all our friends out there, please be safe with the gold-lettered 2021 plates. Right. My wife seemed to think that that should be common knowledge. I just, you know, it's a plate. Good Wait microwave. a minute. Who, who put the plate in the microwave? We Me. didn't get that far. Oh, you did. Yeah. <laughs> I thought it was a, one of your children. Okay. No, I, no, no, no. I did. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Well, then you had your own fireworks. That's I did. Yes. That's why about. I said that. Yeah. Right. Well, the only time I've ever seen a flame in a microwave, many years back, one of the jobs I had, a gentleman decided he was going to have a Pop Tart and just left it right in the container. Didn't take oh. it out of the foil container and decided oh. he was going to let that run. <laughs> I ran about as fast as I could when I saw that flame because yeah. I knew the building would probably burn down. Yep, that's that's not what you're looking for. No. But what you may be looking for is what we have coming up on this show. A woman gets a chance to fulfill a dream she first tried to make happen six decades ago. We're going to explain in good news. Ken has a unique gift idea, and it's only going to cost you 125000 bucks. To get your wallets ready. Yeah, he's going to explain, and you can really buy this. We've got No Rhythm Returns with a song from Barry White. Oh, Sherry Russo here for another great debate. Sports author David Lee Morgan here to talk about some of his numerous projects. Our misspeak of the week involves both Bill Cosby and Bill Clinton. And in Klopp's Clips... We're going to tell you about a weight loss device that'll shut you up. Really, it'll shut you up. That and a whole lot more coming up. 
All right, Ken, good news here. 60 years ago, Gwen McLaughlin sent a letter to the then New York Yankees general manager, Roy Hammy, asking to be a Batgirl. He did write her back and declined her request, noting that in a game dominated by men, a young lady would be out of place in the dugout. Gwen saved the letter because it was just exciting to have a response, even if it wasn't what she wanted. Now, six decades later, her daughter, Abby, forwarded that old letter, that same letter, to the team, catching the attention of current, uh, current Yankees GM Brian Cashman. So he invited Gwen to be the honorary Batgirl during a game as part of the Yankees' annual Hope Week, which shines a light on inspiring stories and people. McLaughlin also got to throw out the first pitch. That is outstanding. Job well done by yeah. usually one of our biggest competitors and a rival for the Indians for a long time for the Yankees, but hats off to them taking a kind of a ridiculous situation yep. at one point in time, not a, allowing a young lady to do something and allowing her to do it now. Do you know how old she was? No. 91. Wow. Yeah. Th- just how think about, about that. that. 91. That's- That's unbelievable. Well, that's definitely some good news. Ted, we received some great feedback on this segment and thought we would bring the listeners what they want. We certainly are here to do that. This segment, as you know, is called You Can Really Buy This. Yeah. This week's item can be purchased from a company called Space Perspective. Now, get ready for this. I'm glad you're sitting down. For a mere $125,000, you too. Yeah, well, whatever it takes. Bitcoin, I I think they'll take anything at this point. Bitcoin. You too can purchase a trip to ascend some 20 miles into the Earth's upper atmosphere on board a luxury space balloon. I don't see you doing this. Not because of the money. I just don't know if you have any interest in riding on a balloon. I've never heard those words in that order. Luxury space balloon. Unbelievable. So Space Perspective, a human space flight company in Florida, began selling tickets for inaugural voyage way way high into the sky at $125,000 a pop. Now, the trip is scheduled for late 2024, so you have plenty of time to get your money together. And you'll be on the uh, spaceship Neptune. It's a hot air balloon style craft lifted by hydrogen. Anyone interested in the trip, you have to put down a $1,000 deposit. Okay. Okay. So you got to pay your grand, and obviously you probably don't get that back. Yeah. Now, throughout the six-hour journey, all Hmm. guests will enjoy the following. A reclining seat. Well, I would hope so for that much. (laughs) Let's be honest. Um, a four, for the 450 miles, a 360 degree view and an open call on dress, champagne, and a bathroom. Well, that's a bonus. You get a bathroom. You get a, you get a restroom. You don't have to wear a diaper. Fabulous. Now the ship you're in, it's measuring at 700 feet tall. The spaceship Neptune's capsule will feature plush seating. I mentioned about the windows. You're going to have Wi-Fi access as well as some other amenities. Now, the space balloon that lifts the capsule will be the size of a football stadium. I need to see a picture of this. The space balloon that lifts the capsule will be the size of a football stadium. Okay. Unbelievable. 
So you actually, while you're flying around, you can see the curvature of the Earth against the backdrop of the sun. Ted, get your thousand dollars ready. I'm ready. Hundred twenty-five thousand dollars. We got until twenty twenty-four. Let's just start getting our funds yeah. together. We should. And uh, maybe they'll let us share. So maybe like we can go halfway and then kick one of us out and then go the rest, and then they can pick us up on the on the way back. What do you think of that? Can we do so that? if you'd like to uh, help us go on the luxury space balloon, yeah. The address is GoFundMe.com/slash Two Middle Aged Men in Cleveland, and we will. Uh, we, we will we will be on there. I love it. This is a, this is yeah. a good fundraiser for us. We can okay. obviously with some of the money we can give to charity or something. Like that. Yeah, yeah, I mean, great views, curvature of the earth. It sounds amazing to me. Let's, yeah, we're all in. I never would have believed it, but I guess you can really buy this. Blah 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 blah. All right, today's guest is a high school English teacher, an award-winning author, and also a documentary producer. He worked as a sports writer for 15 years with the Akrabika Journal. He is the author of eight books, including LeBron James' The Rise of a Star, The Maslin Tigers' 15 for 15, and High School Heroes' Stories of Inspiration, Dedication, and Hope. He also has recently helped produce a documentary called Lines Broken, the Story of Marion Motley, which is being re-released this coming fall. Let's talk with the very talented David Lee Morgan. David, thank you so much for joining us today. Hey, hey, thanks for that intro, man. I, you know, that was kind of impressive. I'm kind well, of you impressed. got a, you got a great resume. Jeez Louise. I mean, I can't, I, I don't think anybody can make up a resume like that. You have years of experience as a journalist. Yes. And you decided to make the leap to education. Talk yes. about that change in career and how difficult that change was for you. There's so much that teachers go through and have to deal with, and, and, and they do it because they love to teach. They love to inspire young people. They love to, to, to encourage, and, and that's why I got into it. So, so now to go back, you know, when I worked for the Beacon, I had a lot of friends who were teachers, and they would always ask, hey, can you come in and talk to our kids about, you know, the process of writing? I really loved going you know, to my friends' schools and talking to young people about writing. You know, when they saw somebody like me, this, you know, this bald-headed black guy who's had, he's got a head like a milk dud, and then they see, <laughs> <laughs> and then they see a regular average dude uh, talk about how important writing is and how if, if I could do it, they could do it. And the fact that, you know, I never thought in a million years that I'd have a degree in writing, a, a professional, a bachelor's degree in professional writing, you know, so, to, so when I went into schools and just saw that kids were excited, I slowly started to think, you know, I, I kind of want to do this. So on that same topic of high school, you wrote a book about the Maslin uh, high school football team, the Maslin Tigers 15 for 15. And you coached the running backs during the 2019 season and you chronicled it all in this book. Can you yes. talk about being a coach affiliated with such a, a, a historic high school football team in the uh, state of Ohio? Absolutely. I never thought that would ever happen, you know, especially being a 1984 Warren G. Harding graduate. Back in the day, Warren Harding and Canton McKinley and Maslin, you know, even going back to the All-American Conference, you know, you know, they, I knew all about Maslin's history and McKinley's history and all of that. So it was, it was really almost like a, a great, I don't know, a blend of, of, of understanding all the different 
programs. It was a great, incredible experience because, um, you know, we, ran, we made it to the state championship. We lost to LaSalle the first time, but it was just a great experience because being part of that program, that storied program and, and seeing the insides of how all of that worked and being in the locker room before games and at halftime and hearing the crowd and realizing those 17,000, 10,000 people, they don't even know what's going on in here, but I get to experience this. And I used to cover it. I used to cover, you know, Stark County sports. Sure. But just to be part of that on a daily basis for 15 weeks was one of the best, most incredible experiences sports experiences I've had. And, you know, I've covered professional sports, but it was just so unique. Now, one of the other opportunities you've had that many people haven't is the opportunity to follow the career of LeBron James at an early age during high school and then through the NBA. You wrote the first book on LeBron James, which is really impressive, a great book in October of 2003 called LeBron James, The Rise of a Star. Your book tells a great story about LeBron, his family, his friends, and basketball life. As you look back to those early days of LeBron, are you surprised today that he's one of the biggest superstars no. in sports? No, I've been on national TV all throughout that senior year. And I remember, you know, I, I interviewed with Mitch Album and, and John Thompson and I, I mean, you name it, Will Purdue in Chicago. I mean, I told everybody this kid, I mean, it wasn't surprising because physically he had all the skills. I mean, he was six, eight strong as heck. I, I knew he was going to be a, an amazing player because I remember his junior year, you know, people weren't, weren't supposed to know this, but he was invited to Chicago to play pickup games with like Michael Jordan. And from what I heard from, from people around him, he was almost dominating these NBA players. And this was, this was the summer of his junior year. So it wasn't surprising when Danny Ainge, you know, when LeBron was on the cover of Sports Illustrated and they did that big feature on him. And Danny Ainge said, if LeBron was coming out that year as a junior, he would be a top five pick. Now you're talking about a junior. So when you have people like Danny Ainge telling you that, and then you see him in practice and you see physically how he developed, there, there wasn't any doubt that he was going to be a great NBA player. I mean, you realize it was going to take him a while to, to get used to that NBA game and, you know, all of that. And plus the mental aspect, you know, guys were going to push him and like, look at this rookie, look at this rookie. But yeah. mentally, mentally, he was ready. Well, you, you have a very close relationship with Jim, Jim Tressel, now the president of Youngstown State. Of course, most folks know him as the uh, former coach at Ohio State. But uh, you wrote a book about him. And in the book, you talk to 50 different people to get their their perspective on him. Can you talk about putting that book together? Uh, it was called More Than a Coach. And then the subtitle is what it means to play for friend, uh, coach, friend, and mentor Jim Tressel. And, I, you know, I've known Coach Tressel um, since, since uh, 86, his first year at YSU. I was a sophomore at YSU, and all my roommates were football players. And I played baseball for one year. I got in trouble and then I got kicked off the team. But all of my roommates were football players. So when Coach Tressel, his first year in 86, he was trying to bring the group together. You know what I mean? Because it was his first year. He would come to, you know, um, our apartment. And there were a couple seniors in our apartment and in our house. And so he would start kind of like 
rallying those guys. And because I was there, he, he brought me into their group with them, you know? So every time I would see him on campus or, you know, we would see each other, he'd always say, hey, how you doing? Hey, David, how's classes? And then um, I started to write for the school newspaper and then the Warren Tribune. So I then I covered YSU while I was a student. And then after I graduated, I continued to cover YSU. So I covered him all through those national championship years. And then we became friends till this day. You know, I, I, I text Coach Tressel maybe once or twice a month, you know, just to say hi, happy Father's Day or whatever. But I just, you know, I know he's been through a lot. He's doing a great job at YSU. And that relationship that I had with him and the, the relationship that he built was all about family and yeah trusting each other, like his winner's manual. That's what he gives to all the players at Ohio State. He started that at YSU. And it was a book that basically had fundamentals for winners. And there were 19 of them, like attitude, caring, class, discipline, faith, focus, gratitude, humility, all the way through. And he would say, if you can incorporate those in your life every day, then winning would be a byproduct or being yeah. successful would be a byproduct. So if you trusted him and you loved him and you were humble and you were grateful for this opportunity, then we're going to win. That's why a lot of his teams at YSU and at Ohio State may not have been the most talented. They had a lot of talent. Yeah. But that, like that one year with Craig Krenzel, I mean, Krenzel wasn't the greatest quarterback in, in college football. But they loved each other and they trusted each other. Like in the book, there's a great story about um, the game against Purdue that helped them win the national championship. It was fourth and one. And he, uh, Krenzel threw a, a touchdown pass to Michael Jenkins in the end zone. That play could have cost them the national championship. But it was all about trust. And so that's what that book is about. That's outstanding. So that's a great read. So you worked with James Waters II and produced a documentary <laughs> yes. about Marion Motley. Yes. This documentary was, was released originally last year, but was re, will be re-released this fall to coordinate with the Pro Football Hall of Fame induction ceremonies. Talk about the idea of this documentary, how this came about, and what was the process of putting this documentary together? The whole idea was Mary Motley, before Jackie Robinson, in 1946, Mary Motley with other uh, Bill Willis, Kenny Washington, and uh, Woody Strode, they broke the pro football's barrier, a color barrier, when they were you know, they came into the league. Kenny Washington and Woody Strode did it out in, in California. You know, they were out in California with the NFL. Bill Willis and Marion Motley did it with the Browns in, in the, uh, the, you know, the AAFC. So they were the ones who broke the color barrier before Jackie Robinson. But the big thing with Marion Motley was the fact that this was a Hall of Famer from Canton McKinley, uh, who was who is considered one of the greatest running backs in the history of pro football. But a lot of people, in, at least in Canton, and, and, be, and people in general don't understand the importance of what Marion Motley accomplished. And he's from Canton, Ohio. Yeah. And so the whole idea was to bring awareness to the fact that, you know, Marion Motley was one of the first to break the color barrier a year before Jackie Robinson, and that his story should have been told or should be told. And generations should understand his significance and the connection with Paul Brown being one of the first to uh, want black players on his team. And so that's what we wanted to do, tell that story. And so we did that. And I think we did a great job. Um, you know, Sean Horgan and Eric Lowry and Dave Jingo, myself and James Waters. So it was released in February through PBS. 
which was phenomenal. I think it aired, I want to say something like 12, 13, 14 times during the February Black History Month. And then they pulled it and it's going to be re-released in the fall. I don't know when for sure. It's supposed to be related to the uh, induction ceremonies because that was, you know, kind of canceled for last year. So we're looking forward to that because it's an amazing story. We got a lot of great feedback during February. So that's that's something that I'm very proud of. And I'm working on a book um, to go along with that. That's gonna be, uh, it's a young adult book all about Mary Motley's life. And hopefully that'll be out in the fall. I'm still working on that now. David, that's outstanding. I, I look forward to the, I, I had the opportunity to see the documentary. It's very well done to get Thank Paul you. Warfield in there and give an yes. interview it was outstanding. And yes. obviously looking forward to the book as well. So that, that would be very cool. Thank you. David, David, thanks for your time. Can we get you to stick around for our game time segment? Absolutely. Time for the Overachievers, where we highlight something extraordinary that has happened. This week's Overachiever, Tom Sitas. Tom is from Germany and holds the Guinness World Record for the long, longest distance swam underwater with one breath. You want to guess how far he went? I'm going to guess like a hundred meters. It's the length of a football meters. field. 200 meters. 200 meters? That's huh. more than two football fields. The record was made on the set of a Guinness World Record special in China in 2008. Wow. He held his breath and swam more than two football fields. Now, the problem is, I bet you others have probably broken this record. Unfortunately, they didn't make it and couldn't tell anyone. <laughs> Am I right? <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I think you've got it there. Uh, I, by the way, don't hold that record. I can swim about two feet underwater. I can think I, I can hold my breath for maybe 30 seconds, yeah. not underwater just now. So. Right. Okay. All right. Well, you work on that and uh, we'll see if you'll be next week's overachiever, but this week, congratulations to Tom Cetas, this week's overachiever. This is for you. Another edition of This Week in Cleveland Sports. July 7th, 1923, the Cleveland mm. Indians set an American League record with 27 runs, including 13 in the sixth, in a 27-3 win versus the Boston Red Sox. We're going to bring in our Cleveland sports historian, Dusty Sloan. And Dusty, what can you tell me about this game that had 27 runs by one team? Well, one of the first things that kind of stuck out at me when I looked at the box score was I thought that maybe there was one player drove in like 10 runs or something like that. But then I remember that Chris James has the team record with nine. But you look at the Indians lineup and they had 24 hits, 25 RBIs. And it was all around the lineup. I mean, the, the top RBI man that game was a third baseman named Rube Lutsky, who was four for five with six RBIs. And then the second baseman, Riggs Stevenson, had five RBIs. Now, the one thing you have to remember about games back in the 20s is there weren't a lot of home runs. So the Indians scored 27 runs without the benefit of a homer, which probably would not happen today. Wow. <laughs> That's unreal. Uh, it seems to me, Dusty, that uh, <clears throat> there was no run rule in 1923, nor is there now. But, you know, uh, 27 to 3. Uh, I hope they cleared the benches and got everybody in. 
uh, did one, how, how many pitchers did the, did the Red Sox use when they gave up 27 runs? Well, that's another thing that's a little different from back in the twenties. They only used three pitchers, three pitchers. Through eight innings and the, and poor lefty O'Doul had to take the brunt of it. And he threw three innings and gave up 16 runs. And the interesting thing is only three of those were earned. So, oh, oh my gosh, it, it, wow. it was a very bad day for lefty O'Doul. And some of the other things I'm looking at here in this box score is fascinating. There were only two umpires at the time, apparently a home plate umpire and a base umpire. And for as many runs as were scored, apparently the game only took two hours and 10 minutes. That would wow. never happen today. Oh my gosh. Now, but, they but, play, how many innings do they play, Dusty? They played the nine, nine. played the okay, full nine. nine. Now, Dusty, what was the name of the pitcher that gave up all the runs? Lefty O'Doul. Yeah, Ken, I think when we're done here, we should go have a couple of those. Oh, I can't wait, to be yeah. honest with you. That sounds You'll great. end up pitching like him if you do. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, thanks for the insight on a uh, blowout win for the tribe. Uh, July 7th, 1923. Part of this week in Cleveland sports. Thanks, Dusty. You got it. Cleveland! This is for you! Ken, it's back. I know how much everybody enjoyed this. You talk about a rash? Well, that too, but I don't know that anybody would enjoy that. But a couple of weeks ago in this segment, I read the lyrics to my ding-a-ling. <clears throat> and yes, you did. So we're back. We've got no rhythm. Ken, it's your turn. And the song we have for you this week to read the lyrics on is Marvin Gaye's Let's Get It On. I love it. All right. Okay. Go Do ahead. my best. Let me get you a beat here and uh, go ahead. I've been really trying, baby, trying to hold back this feeling for so long. If you like, I let feel, baby. Come on. Oh, come on. Oh. Let's get it on. Oh, baby. Let's get it on. Let's love, baby. Let's get it on. Sugar. Let's get it on. Woo. I think I need to get anyone on the phone. We're all sensitive people with so much to give. Understand me, sugar. Since we got to be, let's live. I love you. There's nothing wrong with me loving you, baby. No, no. And giving yourself to me can never be wrong. If the love is so true, oh, baby, oh. Don't you know how sweet and wonderful life can be? Oh, oh. I'm asking you, baby, to get it on with me. Oh, oh, oh. I ain't gonna worry. I ain't gonna push. I won't push you, baby. So come on, come on, come on, come on, baby. Stop beating around the bush. Hey, let's get it on. Oh, boy. Oh, gonna get it on. Threatening you, baby. I wanna get it on. You don't have to worry that it's wrong. If the spirit moves you, let me groove you. Good. Let your love come down. Oh, get it on. Come on, baby. Do you know the meaning? I've been sanctified. Hey, hey, girl, you give me a good feeling. So good, something like sanctified. Oh dear, I baby, nothing wrong with love. If you don't want to love me, just let yourself go. Oh, baby. Let's get it on. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. 
There it is. Now, wow. let's be honest. Yeah. Kind of some racy type of, uh, you know, kind com of comments, the lyrics there. Yeah. I don't know if some of that stuff now we can really get away with. Let's be honest. I don't know. It's still oh. a classic song. though. Uh, are you, will you be uh, taking our show notes home to read this to Eowyn or perhaps just playing this episode for her? You know, that's just something I'm going to have to think about, to be honest with you, because that could go one of two ways. And I have a very good feeling how it would go. <laughs> I bet you do. And you can answer that for All me. All right. Well, there we go. Marvin Gaye, let's get it on, because we've got no rhythm. And now, great moments in a parenting. <laughs> Yep, here we are, Ken. Well, here's the story. My youngest son wanted a red Sharpie to color with. My wife doesn't like to let our kids use Sharpies because, well, they're permanent. Good idea, right? Sure. She put the Sharpie in her pocket, and I was watching as our son, youngest son, kept trying to get that Sharpie. She kept stopping him, saying no. Eventually, she looked at me. And then she said, you're not going to get it. You can ask daddy. It's impossible to get in my pants. Oh, geez. Oh, my God. This <laughs> has been great moments in parenting. All right, it's time for our game time segment with high school English teacher, award-winning author, and documentary producer, David Lee Morgan. His opponent needs no introduction, being known as the stunt double for Oral Hershiser, Ted Klopp. Today's, <laughs> game, today's game is random sports trivia. Oh, good. I'll ask you three different questions. You need to select one of the multiple choice answers. You can both have the same answers on each question. Today's winner will receive a great prize an opportunity to pitch for the Cleveland Indians during the 2021 season. After recent injuries, they will need all the arms they can get. Ted, get your EFAS pitch ready. Let's go. Yeah. yeah, I'm ready. All right, let's move to question number one. LeBron James shares a birthday with a famous athlete. Which athlete also shares a birthday on December 30th? Is that Michael Jordan, Russell Wilson, Tiger Woods or Jeff Gordon? David, you're our guest. You get to guess first. Uh, I'm going to say that it will be Tiger, Albert, or whatever his middle name is, Woods. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Klopp? I have no idea, but uh, just because it would make for a good story, I'll go with Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan. Well, you should listen to David. He's yeah, Tiger Woods. Yep. Hey, and, and 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 you know who else do they share a birthday with? Oh, I'm ready for this. One word, Madonna. Oh. Oh my gosh, I didn't know that. Holy yes. cow. Wow. That's a lot of celebrities on December 30th. Right. Interesting. All right, one nothing. We'll go to question two. Jim Tressel has, of course, a very impressive coaching resume as he won 241 games in his 25-year coaching career. Another impressive stat is the amount of coaches that were assistants under Trestle that went on to be head coaches. How many former Trestle assistants went on to be head coaches in college football? Is it four, 
10, 8, or 5. Ted, you get to guess first this time on the amount of assistant coaches that went on to be head coaches that were under Jim Tressel. 8. 8. David? I'm trying to count them. <laughs> um, There's a decent amount. We'll leave it at that. I don't want to give too many hints. Okay. I'm going to say... I'm going to say 10. Well, David, you're two for two. That's correct. Okay. Well, let me ask this question, David. How many sweater vests has Jim Trussell worn while coaching? That's the question. <laughs> one, the same one. It gets one. it gets dry clean. <laughs> <laughs> Outstanding. Yeah, it's a pretty impressive resume that was under Jim Trussell's assistance. I'll read them off quickly. Wait, 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 wait. Don't, don't read. D'Antonio. Yep. Mangini. Yep. David. Dave. Um. Uh, what's his name? Three. I got three of them. You got three of them, which is pretty good. It's uh, Mel Tucker is one. Yes. Who's at, now at Michigan State. Mark Snyder at Marshall. He was there yes. for four years. Yes. John Heacock. Heacock. Yes. Youngstown State. Paul Haynes, Kent State. Daryl Hazel, which I did Hazel. I forgot about. Yes. Uh, P.J. Fleck, who was at Western Michigan. He's rowing the boat. Now yes. at Minnesota. Yes. And then obviously the other one will be Luke Fickle. Luke, so, yes, yes. Forget yes, about yes. him. But yeah, yes. it's a pretty impressive resume. It's yeah. unreal. All right, we'll move on. Well, David, you got this. Uh, you got it wrapped up. We'll just uh, do this for fun on questions. You're giving me softball questions. <laughs> so, Maslin Washington High School has one of the most historic high school football programs in the nation, as we know. According to the MaslinTigers.com website, how many former high school athletes went on to play professional football? Ooh. Is it 25, 8, 39, or 18? <laughs> David, are, you get to guess. Those are so, wow. How about those numbers? Uh, like, those oh. numbers are just, are you <laughs> kidding me? <laughs> I'm going to go, I'm going to go with 25. 25. Ted? I'm going to go with the highest number you said, 39. 39. Ted, you pulled one out. That's oh, right. 39. Yes. There yeah. it is. There it is. <laughs> Unbelievable. Yeah, that's uh, what a historic program that is. Yeah. Well, David, thank you so much for your time. Any other projects or anything you want to talk about at this time? No, that's that's it right now. I mean, finishing up my master's right now, and that's it's oh, wow, it's good just, for you. Yeah, I'll be, I'll, 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 but it's all helping me become a better educator. You know, that's sure. and you know, bottom line is I love what I'm doing. You know, you know what's funny, Ken is 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 not many people get a chance to have like two careers in their lifetime that they really, really love. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And with, with journalism, the way it has been and the way it kind of just changed the newspapers, I got lucky to be able to jump into a, a career that I really love. So I just feel really blessed to have this opportunity. Absolutely. I guess I'll ask you one last question. So you covered a lot of sports. Can yes. you give us one Quick story about any athlete you covered. Yes, um, I was covering the the, uh, the Akron Arrows one year, and Jim Tomey was rehabbing, um, and they were getting ready for the playoffs. So they sent him to Harrisburg to uh, play a game with the Arrows who were in the playoffs. So when I get to my hotel, I get a knock at the door, it's um, the front desk and they dropped me all of this Indians gear in my room. And I'm like, what is this? 
And they're like, I don't know. They just said to deliver it to your room. So I was like, all right. So I, I open it up and I see a Jim Tomey jersey and batting gloves and his mitts and just everything Jim Tomey. So I guess what happened was when he flew to Harrisburg, his equipment and his, all of his stuff got lost. So they just brought it to my room. They were all at the ballpark. So I swear, like maybe 10 minutes later, a phone, phone rings and he goes, is this David Morgan? I said, yeah. He said, hey, this is Jim Tomey. Do you have my bags? <laughs> I said, I said, yeah, I do. I said, I'll take him to the park and give him to the equipment guy once I get there. <laughs> yeah, yeah oh it was it was crazy. Yeah. But what you should have said was, yeah, I'm I'm playing catch right now with your glove. <laughs> yeah. I mean. <laughs> Hey, but you know what's funny, Ted and Ken? I was all in his bags. <laughs> oh, I would have been too. Yeah, I would have been yeah. too. He was only there for one game because he rehabbed. And then, then he joined, then he went back and joined the Indians. Well, David, thank you so much for your time. It's an absolute pleasure to speak with you. We hey, wish you the best. Pleasure. As, uh, my pleasure. Success well. with everything. And obviously, yeah. it's uh, we'd love to speak with you at some point in time again. Once a lot of these things uh, certainly get uh, published with another book. And yes, love to have you on again. Yeah. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. This was a blast. This was really fun. Time for another misspeak of the week. This week, it's a BBC reporter doing a live report from Philadelphia on Bill Cosby's release from prison. Give a listen here. Let's join our correspondent, uh, Michelle Fleury, in Philadelphia for the latest there, Michelle. You. For the last two years, this has been where Bill Clinton has called home. But tonight, he will sleep in his own bed. <laughs> well, yeah. She, she said Bill Clinton instead of Bill Cosby, Ken. Now, at the end of that live report, anchor Hugh Edwards said, just to clarify what was said there in Michelle's introduction to the story when she mistakenly said Bill Clinton instead of Bill Cosby. We apologize for the mistake. I don't know. that. <laughs> but whatever it was, that's the misspeak of the week. It's time once again for the great debate. We have two debaters who are ready to argue their points on subjects I have chosen. These topics are in envelopes that have been hermetically sealed and kept in a number two mayonnaise jar on Funkin' Wagnall's porch until now, released to me through agents of an unknown black ops government organization that shall remain nameless. Let's meet our two contestants. Debater number one hails from Uniontown, Ohio. She stands five foot six in heels and says her hero his former Browns quarterback and Super Bowl winner, Bernie Kosar. Please welcome. I haven't lived, I haven't lived in Uniontown, Ohio for uh, <laughs> are, so long. Yeah, but you're <laughs> from Uniontown, Ohio, are you not? Okay, uh, yes, but I've lived longer away Dales from Uniontown, from Ohio. Ohio. Okay, fair enough. All right, go ahead. You want me to say, <laughs> now, and now living in Lancaster, what's your address? You want to give that up? <laughs> No, we can't no. get through the introductions, man. No. How are we going to debate? 
Her opponent can be heard weekly on this very podcast and periodically in the Rocky River area at various restaurants. He's an avid golfer who knows how many golfers it takes to change a light bulb. How many, Ken? I'm not sure, actually. Four. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Ken Dworsnik. Jerry and Ken, we have three topics for you to debate today. Each of you will get 30 seconds of uninterrupted time to state your case on the topic. After that, we will have one minute of open discussion before closing the debate on that topic. Any questions? I have one. What if I refuse to answer? Well, then I guess Sherry wins that debate. That's okay. Yeah, that's easy. Yeah. <laughs> okay. All right, Sherry, you will go first. 30 okay. seconds on the clock. And here is the first debate subject. Pepperoni is the best pizza topping. Go. Ooh, uh, I disagree. Uh, pepperoni is not the best pizza topping. And here's why. Because sometimes it's not cooked right. If it's just laid on the top and not underneath the cheese, the pepperoni gets burnt. Um, it's not, it does not as tasty as it could be. I like it to be like underneath the cheese and, uh, and not over toasted. So I would say uh, it is not the best pizza topping. All right. That's your 30 seconds. Ken, you have 30 seconds to wow. state your case. Go. I guess just to be different, I will say that it is the best topping. And the reason I say that is because one of the first things you think of when you think of pizza, it's usually the cheese, it's usually the crust. But the next thing that people think of when they put a topping on their pizza is usually pepperoni. And I wish I could have done my research before this, but obviously I didn't know the questions that Ted was going to ask. But I think if you look through data and information, pepperoni by far is the most popular topping. All right. Now we have one minute for open debate. Go ahead. Well, just because people uh, typically put pepperoni on their pizza doesn't necessarily mean it's the best pizza. Um, you know, maybe that was the first the first thing somebody tried and it worked and it took off. But I think, you know, we've kind of, we've evolved. We, we put a lot of different, some people put pineapple on their pizza, which I'm not advocating for that. But I do know that people uh, do that. Um, I am a Italian sausage and banana pepper kind of, pizza girl. Ooh. I like my pizza to be really spicy. Um, and pepperoni is spicy, but I think I think it could be a little bit better. So I, I'm just saying, just because that's what a lot of people do doesn't necessarily mean that that is the best that we can do on pizza. So just my two cents. I understand that. I understand what you're saying. I just think that just through the years, some people may not think it's the best. I think it's the easiest to work with. It's the cheapest, if you think about that, of all the different topics. No, that's true. And your kids will like it, probably. That's our one-minute <laughs> alarm. Can you let Sherry monopolize the uh, discussion period for 50 Well, she had good things to say. I was going to let her talk. Hey, this is my debate with Sherry. This is okay. not your debate. <laughs> you were rude last time, no, and I, I allowed her to finish. I was assertive. <laughs> I'm As sorry, I've been told I, many times, worry about it, it, yourself, please. It may be that I didn't completely understand the rules. I thought I was supposed to fill the whole minute rebuttal because oh, I was. No, the, 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 I thought what you had to say was very pertinent to the question, or, uh, and I let you go. 
is for discussion. That's that's okay. all I'm saying. Oh, okay. All right. So it's discussion. Got it. Next yes. time I won't take the whole thing. Okay. That's, got a, it. that's all right. Okay. All right. So let's go to, I don't know who won that one, but let's go to topic number we two. We don't decide this. It's the listeners. Right. And they can tweet us at? One of the social medias that we have. Okay. <laughs> M-A-M-I-C-L-E. There you at go. Twitter. There you go. Facebook. And the old Instagram. The old Instagram. And email. We have email now. Oh, yeah. What's the email, Ken? Couldn't tell you. Please do. <laughs> well, uh, Johnny and the uh, IT boys, you've met them, right, Jerry? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you guys the have IT a, a large staff. They hooked yeah. you up to, with your uh, studio set up there. Uh, the yeah. email address, uh, they got us a free one, 2-M-A-M-I-C-L-E at gmail.com. So very, very I remember. Yeah. yeah. All right. Let's go to debate topic number two. Which animal makes a better pet, a cat or a dog? Ken, you will begin with 30 seconds of uninterrupted time. Go. Well, this one's an easy one for me because I am allergic to cats. So I have to go in the realm of the dog. I've had dogs all my life. I have an absolutely wonderful dog that I'm a part of right now. And I just think they're great. Easy to get along with. Certainly the maintenance is a little bit different as opposed to cats because you have to get them outside. But they just seem like there's more life to them. And they're just really good around kids. Okay. There is uh, Ken's 30 seconds. Sherry, you have 30 seconds. Go ahead. Well, it's funny that you uh, say this because my cat just came into the room while I'm, <laughs> while I'm chatting with you here. Probably listening. Uh, I'm a yeah, exactly. I'm going to say cats. Uh, the reason is because actually I have a fear of dogs. Uh, large Ooh. dogs scare me a lot. Um, there is a lot of maintenance that Ken talked about with dogs that cats, they're kind of, they're kind of indifferent to you and, and they kind of do their own thing. So, uh, so for me, it's maintenance free. I like cats. Okay. All right. Now we have a minute for open discussion. I hope open we're discussion. clear on this. A minute okay, for open clear. discussion. Go yeah. ahead. I'll start for 30 seconds. We'll be fair. Oh, well. So I think the one thing that I think makes dogs a little bit better than cats is that if you look through society and you look at usefulness of animals, dogs fit that mold because they're used as search dogs. They're used for many different ways. They can rope up sheep or whatever you want to call it, herd sheep, that types of things. And it just seems like the usefulness of a dog is a little bit more than a cat. Yeah, I, and I'll give you that. That's true. The dogs actually have a, a lot more a lot more jobs they can do uh, in the world than cats. Actually, cats have none. Um, but but, but my, my cats are, you know, for the most part, affectionate. Um, and, uh, you know, sometimes they get a little, little snotty, but that's okay. Uh, because they don't require me to take them on a walk around the neighborhood every day. So I'm okay with that. So that's how right, on this topic real quick. The other day during one of my restaurant visits in the Lakewood Rocky river area, I saw a lady who had a backpack and it was clear and she had a cat in there and carried the cat around in the back of the backpack. Uh -huh. Or, I'm not for that. No, no. Cats are friendly until you give them a bath. <laughs> yeah, that's not good. That is true. Yeah, that is not good. Well, and our, one of one of our cats doesn't even 
um, like anyone who is not the four of us to come into this house. Mm -hmm. So when friends, my kids' friends come over, he, he, he hisses at them. So, you know, he, he likes, he likes the four people that he knows and that's it. And that's all he wants. So there you go. Well, there you go. There's the debate on what makes the best pet. Our uh, last topic for debate, candy should be given as a reward in class. Candy should be given as a reward in class. Sherry, you can go first uninterrupted for 30 seconds. Go. Absolutely not. Uh, I know that my son's teachers do it. Um, and he is always tells me about it because, um, he's actually a kid that very much, uh, gets very excited, excitable, the more sugar you put in his life. So we try to limit that. And then he comes home with a giant bag of reward candy for whatever it was he did at school today. And I know the night is going to be long and not fun. So I say no. Ken, you have 30 seconds to state your position. Go. I actually agree with Sherry, but I will say this. I don't think, number one, there should be any type of reward system when it comes to anything with the kids. I mean, you're basically rewarding someone for actually doing their work. I mean, obviously you could have special times or things like that, but I, I think that sets a bad precedent. Future for future lives and future experiences down the road to expect a treat to do what you're supposed to do. Uh, we have one minute for open discussion. Go ahead. Yeah, I, I completely agree with that. I think that the, that a reward system is just, it does, it rewards, it rewards what you're supposed to be doing. Um, and then kids come to expect uh, a reward for doing what they're supposed to be doing. Now I say that in this, I wish the world was that way kind of way, because I also know as a parent, sometimes I throw out a reward in order to solve the situation real quick and make sure the right thing happens. Yep. Shouldn't do uh, it. And then I've been punished for it later when I'm like, last time you gave me a blah, blah, blah. Um, so yeah. Uh, well but. said. Now I think the whole ball game changes based on what candy is brought home. <laughs> now, if it's a Twix, all in. Sounds great. Kit Kat, yeah. that's perfect. Hershey. You're going to throw out some nerds or some of that hard candy stuff? Uh-uh. Shut no. it down. Don't <laughs> even bother. Keep it there. Keep it at school. No go. So chocolate would be okay in your opinion, Ken. Is that what you're That's saying? my reward. Yeah, okay. All right. So you're, you're going to the uh, Ted and Erica Klopp School of Candy, which is on Halloween. The kids yes. get all the candy, and then they bring it home, and we put it in one big vat and put it in the basement and they don't see it again unless we feel that it's appropriate to give to them and we eat the rest of it. Yeah, <laughs> I, I put ours I put ours away and yes, Tom and I will sneak an occasional candy without telling them about it. They forget what's in there. And so yes, they do. The, fast, the faster it goes away, the better we all are. Now, Ken, Absolutely. you said something interesting and I just wanna- uh, uh, That's a first to be honest with you. a little further, yeah, I know. Well, we've been doing this for 62 episodes and you finally, but anyhow, you said you don't think there should be any kind of reward system. And I'm just going to tell you, as uh, a parent who has worked with behavioral specialists for our kids with ADHD, they strongly encourage, doesn't have to be, not necessarily candy, but they strongly encourage positive rewards instead of negative punishment. 
Yeah, I know that. what you're saying. Yes. Yes. I know what you're saying, but I wonder what the world would be like, for example, if we said, instead of, if you speed, we're going to give you a ticket for a hundred bucks for whatever, you know, speeding. What if instead we said, everybody who doesn't get a ticket during whatever the calendar year is, gets a hundred dollar rebate on their taxes. Oh, I, I wonder if there's less saying. speeding. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I understand what you're saying on that. I just, my big thing with what I was mentioning about that, I do think at times words can go a lot farther. That's true. And positive reinforcement, I think, is a big thing. But words, I think, go a lot farther for kids at times as opposed to feeling as though they get something. Yes. And to be fair, uh, the behavioral specialists that we've worked with also say uh, the theme is uh, catch them doing something good. It's easy to catch them doing something bad. You have to catch them doing something good and make sure that they know that you notice. Yes. Yes. uh, Anyhow. All right. Well, there's our great debate. So we decided that, uh, uh, well, I don't know. Pepperoni may or may not be the the best pizza topping. Uh, I don't know if we solved whether a cat or a dog is the best pet, but we apparently came to an agreement that candy should not be given out in school for a reward unless it's a candy that a parent likes. I also think we have solved that dogs are the best pet. I see. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's just that personally, personally, I I work with cats better than dogs, but I think dogs, dogs have multiple service services, things that they can do for you. So there you go. Well, Sherry, thank you very much for taking part in the debate. We look forward to another uh, fine debate segment again sometime soon. Awesome. The most trusted name in journalism, Klops Clips. Ken, more news for you that you may not have heard. Deputies in Maine stopped a man walking near where a vehicle was reported stolen. They determined the guy wasn't involved, but he did have an outstanding arrest warrant. So they arrested him. The guy said he had enough cash to post his $200 bail. Unfortunately, the bail commissioner says the guy tried to pay the bail with two counterfeit $100 bills. Oh, geez. His bail was denied, and he now has a new charge of forgery. Yes, he does. Question for you. So Big Voice Jay lives in Maine. Yes. Did you check with him? Was this him? Oh, I don't know. You might have to make a phone call. Yeah. Hmm. I'll have to check on that. A new weight loss tool been developed by researchers in the UK and New Zealand. It uses, listen to this, can uses magnetic devices with locking bolts that can be fitted to the upper and lower back teeth. Oh. The magnets stop a person's jaw from opening wide enough to eat solid foods. The wearer can only open their mouth a fifth of a centimeter. A fifth of a centimeter. Now, seven women took part in the study on this device. They lost about 5% of their body weight and said they were satisfied. The negatives, according to these women, included occasional discomfort. They said life in general was less less satisfying. They also had trouble pronouncing some words, but felt also, also felt tense and embarrassed occasionally. Hey, they lost the weight, right? 
And they're on a liquid diet. That's mm -hmm. why. Mm -hmm. This mm -hmm. is an odd product. I'm on a liquid diet. <laughs> like the Peanuts character. Yeah. A gambler in London bet $15.50 on a six-leg parlay that had odds of 90,396 to one. Well, Ken, it hit for 1.36 million bucks. Whoa. The bets were the outcomes of two soccer matches and four outright golf winners. Here are the bets. Croatia over Scotland, England over the Czech Republic, Steve Stricker to win the Bridgestone Senior Players Championship, Nelly Korda to win the KPMG Women's PGA Championship, Victor Hovland to win the BMW International Open, and Harris English to win the Travelers Championship. Now, English won the Travelers to complete this parlay in an eight-hole playoff. Oh, my gosh. The eight-foot putt. Oh, my gosh. I saw that, by the way. Yeah. That is crazy. But knowing that I could, could win $1.3 million, I probably wouldn't have made it. I would have had a stroke. Well, July 4th means fireworks, stars, stripes, and hot dogs, as in Nathan's famous hot dog eating contest. For the sixth straight year, Joey Chestnut won the contest with a new record. This year, he scarfed down 76 wieners and buns in 10 minutes. One more than last year. It's the 14th time that he's won the event. Second place finisher ate just 50 hot dogs and buns. Chestnut ate 12 dogs in the first 60 seconds, 23 in the first two minutes. Oh, my gosh. Now, as if that's not enough. We had a tie in the in the in Washington's annual Fourth of July burger eating contest. Okay. Last year's winner and last year's runner-up both consumed thirty-four burgers in ten minutes. <laughs> Molly Schooler, a mother of four from California, tied Dan Killer Kennedy of Pennsylvania. Once the 10 minutes was up, the contestants had to wait another two minutes for judges to make sure they would actually hold in the ingested burgers. 34 burgers in 10 minutes. Oh, my gosh. That's that's basically right around four burgers a minute. Can you do that? No. I mean, I've seen you when we've gone to the Winking Lizard, and both of you and I can get aggressive at times, but I, I don't know if we could do that. No. Nope. That's a good way to close up this week's collection of Clops Clips. We're wrapping up episode 62, and Ken, will you try to lose weight by having your teeth magnetized together? I'm going to go with no. Okay. I mean, I, I know it, it forces you not to eat, but if you really want to put yourself in a spot, just go on a liquid diet. It's the same thing. Same you thing. Go. Get your shakes ready. How about just show some discipline? Well, that's part of it, too. That's part of it, too, but that's the tough part. Yes, correct. Well, we want to thank Sherry Russo for being part of the great debate. That was an interesting uh, situation there. We also want to thank Dusty Sloan, 27 to 3, and David Lee Morgan, who, wow, so many different athletes that he has bioed and spotlighted what what an interesting guy he is i think about that sometimes like just think about your cell phone okay the people that you have in your phone i know with mine there's a couple people people might say wow that's kind of cool can you imagine his phone <laughs> i mean 
who he's got in his phone. Hey, it's just yeah. like it's a who's who. That's crazy. I, I texted Jim Dressel last week and said, how are you doing? <laughs> yeah, oh, well, awesome. I texted my wife and asked her what time I should be home for dinner. Yeah. Do you all, do you get a text back? Because sometimes I don't. Uh, what do you mean? Sometimes? Not from your wife, but yeah, obviously well, from, you, from my you. future wife. Oh, that, I, that would be kind of awkward for everybody. Yes, right. No, it's, uh, yeah, there's, there are times when nothing is said. There's yep. no doubt of that. But boy, David is a very talented man. And what a pleasure it was to have him on. So it's wish him the best of success. And I can't wait for the second run of the Marion Motley documentary. That's, that should be awesome. I, I had the chance to see it the first time. And then it's, as he kind of mentioned, went away, but they're going to bring it back here for the hall of fame game. So that'll be cool. Next week on our show, Jen Lauren from diamonds and whiskey, a country group. She's going to join us to talk about a new single that they have out and her, her the music of this group is described described as swampy yes i don't know i don't know what that i i'm still trying to i will have to ask her i don't know what that means i think it has to do with the only reason i know this is when i was in new orleans they would talk about swampy type of things and i think it means the louisiana flair i think that's mm, what she's talking okay. about but i'm not the expert yeah i think jen can answer that for us so. okay well we'll we'll get that answer and several others next week as we talk to Jen Lauren from Diamonds and Whiskey, we also expect to have Steve Muehlhausen from DAZN with us, talk some more wrestling, and who knows what all else. So, Ken, another fine show, and could you please wrap it up? We're just two middle-aged men in Cleveland, Ted. Two Middle-Aged Men in Cleveland is sponsored by Anchor.fm. Everything you need to make a podcast in one place. And by Westminster AV, custom audio-visual packages for all occasions. Let's get it on. Oh, baby. Let's get it on. Let's love, baby. Let's get it on. Woo. <laughs>